Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. I invite you to rise as you're able for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel lesson comes from Mark chapter 5. Listen for the word of God. Our ears are open. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better but grew worse. She'd heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touched his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble this teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Start. 
Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, I invite you to imagine along with me that we are part of a great crowd. You have this nagging sense in your soul that you are in need of something more, something beyond the daily grind of making ends meet, striving to earn more, take care of your family, weighed down by struggles and pain, by the oppression of the Roman government. You are in need of a vision, a vision of that world described in your beloved Hebrew Bible, and a person to help you believe that that vision just might be possible. That world where the lion lays down with the lambs, swords turn to plowshares and spears and to pruning hooks so that we study war no more, where we all do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God. A place, as Isaiah says, where mourning and pain are no more, where the captives are set free, the blind see, the oppressed receive freedom, where every valley is lifted up and the rough places made plain. And you're in need of a leader who not only casts grand visions of these truth and words, but lives them out every single day, reaches out and heals lepers, not just with the touch of a hand, but with the touch of compassion, calls ordinary people to be extraordinary followers, fishermen from this very region, but he also spends time with women and tax collectors and sinners and outcasts. He eats with everybody. You need this. You hear about a man named Jesus, and so you find yourself following him, following him around the Sea of Galilee. And before you know it, you find yourself inviting your friends and hauling your family along, and the crowd gets bigger and bigger. And you keep going even though you don't have anything to eat, though miraculously Jesus usually manages to scrounge something up so that nobody goes hungry. You find that it's keeping you from work some days. But you've got this sense that following this man is the most important thing that you will ever do. Maybe, just maybe, he's that Messiah that you've been watching and waiting for promised in your beloved Hebrew Bible, and you get to bear witness to his actual life and ministry, be in the very presence of God in the flesh. Now do some imagining with me that you're a prominent, powerful leader 
in the community. Not just any leader, but a religious leader, a leader in the synagogue and first century Galilee, which comes with significant influence. It also comes with money and a good home, ability to provide and then some for your family. It feels as if you have got your life together. You've worked hard, you're faithful, things are on track. And then suddenly your beloved daughter, only 12 years old, falls ill, gravely ill, and you put all your vast resources into helping her, finding the best doctors, assessing the most exclusive medicine, seeking out trusted healers, and yet nothing is working. You feel your safe and your supportive life falling apart. You find yourself desperate and in need of any solution possible, even if that means going against your fellow religious leaders and if you admit it to yourself against your better instincts, because you and your fellow leaders are not so sure about this Jesus guy, this rabbi who says that he's healing in the name of God. He violates the sacred rules about who is clean and unclean, healing on the Sabbath. He spends time with Gentiles. But in spite of yourself, you seek him out, you find him, he's surrounded by a large crowd, and in front of all of them, you beg him, beg him to save your daughter. And by the grace of God, he says he will. He says, I will come to your house. Next, imagine with me that you have a medical condition that just won't go away. You're a woman who has been bleeding for 12 long years. You are physically worn down but also feel defeated emotionally. No doctor can heal you. They just make you worse. You're beholden to your condition. It renders you ritually unclean, so you aren't supposed to be around other people. You're ostracized from your faith community. So you're also lonely, desperate, but not totally defeated. You have heard about this man named Jesus who hasn't, about the crowds that are following him, about the ways that he has healed and cared for people with a power that can only come from God. And you're done begging, begging medical professionals to take you seriously, to keep trying, begging friends and family to spend time with you, begging religious leaders to allow you into the fold. So you see that large crowd, you know that that means Jesus is at the center of it and you decide to take initiative. You reach out your hand and you touch him. You touch his cloak. And immediately, immediately you are made well. Physically, which is its own miracle and would be miracle enough. But then Jesus looks you in the eye and says, he knows the power has gone out of him. Healing your body would be enough, more than enough. But he looks at you, and so you come before him with fear and with trembling. You fall down, and you trust him with your whole truth. Nobody before has ever wanted to know it. And then you hear Jesus say to you, daughter, child, beloved one. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
and you were healed emotionally and spiritually, restored to be a full participant in the community with peace. Now, I know that for some of us, these scenarios don't take much imagination. We can see ourselves in that crowd 2,000 years later, but with similar questions, seeking something more than our daily existence, our own desires and egos, weighed down by pain and grief, needing a voice, a vision beyond so many voices that beg for our attention, be it Fox News or CNN, that pull of social media and people's seemingly perfect lives to keep up with. We have podcasts and blog posts and TED Talks. They're voices that can rile us up. And what they do is tend to make us lose our sense of humanity and the other and then us. And we want to believe that there's more to life than this. We seek a vision of a world that our beloved Bible promises a kingdom where the poor and generous and humble and mourning are blessed, where the thirsty have enough to drink, the naked are clothed, the hungry are filled, where prisoner and captive and oppressed are set free, where our sins are forgiven not seven times, but seven times, 70 times. This kingdom where a prodigal son is welcome home, not with resentment, but with a grand party where the Samaritan is the good neighbor, not because of who he is or where he's from, but because he helped somebody who had a need. So we take time out of our day-to-day busy lives and we follow Jesus or we seek to do so the best we know how. Sometimes we bring our family along, we invite others, somehow knowing that this is the most important thing that we will ever do. I also know that some of you, like Jairus is fearful of, have lost children, the unimaginable that you don't have to imagine. Others know the pain of losing someone close to us, not sure if we would be able to go on without them. Some of us know that feeling of having it all together until something forever changes that certainty and that safety. And I bet that all of us, at one time or another, have run out of all seemingly possible solutions and have found ourselves begging Jesus for a miracle. Some of us, like the bleeding woman, know what it's like to have medical conditions that persist for years, that doctors can't figure out, that keep us lonely, away from experiencing life at its fullest, that drain our bank accounts and social calendars, that cause some to look away or eventually give up on us. Some know what it's like for the church or religious leaders to look upon you and say, you don't belong. You know the pain of physical and emotional and spiritual wounds. You don't have to imagine. Well, let's go back to Jairus, that religious leader. Imagine him. He's begging Jesus for a miracle. You need him to come to your house right away, immediately. The crowd, though, the crowd is in your way. Don't they know that he's got to get to your daughter, that this is all that could possibly matter? And then out of that crowd, a woman comes and she touches Jesus, an unclean woman. 
She dares to touch a man. And Jesus could have just kept on going, kept on running, said, I've got places to go, I got people to heal. But he slows down, he takes the time to look into her eyes, to hear her whole truth. And so by that time, you think it's just too late. But Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And miracle of miracles, he touches his little girl's hand and says, Talitha, come. Little girl, get up. Rise up. And she does. Today, friends, whoever we are, wherever we do or we don't find ourselves in the midst of these stories, we do know that Jesus looks us in the eye and calls us daughter, calls us son, beloved child, hears and knows our stories intimately, all of them, and says to us, Talitha, come, get up, rise I don't have to tell you that Jesus' healing power doesn't always or even usually come in the form of miracles. Because we have begged, we have reached out and touched Jesus, and our prayers aren't always answered in the ways that we want them to. Jesus does have powerful miracles. He calms a storm, but he doesn't end storms forever. He feeds a crowd of multitudes, but he doesn't end hunger forever. He raises some people from the dead, and many of us in death in this life and the grief and the pain that they bring to us. And many of us will carry griefs here and now that can never be fully erased. Suffering still exists. But so does the healing power of Jesus Christ, a power that calls on us to rise up for and with one another is the body of Christ, sharing tangible signs of presence and peace and food and love and cards and phone calls when we're in need, and power that comes to us when we are at our very lowest and says, I see you. Tell me your truth, your darkest secrets, for in me there is no shame. Let it out and rise up. I've heard it said many times that if we listen carefully, everybody has got a story that will break our hearts. And if we really listen, everybody's got a story that can bring us to our knees. Jesus knows these truths, these stories, and he meets us and he sees us as full, beautiful, loved human beings in the image of God. When the world sees shame and pain and rejection, Jesus sees with eyes of love. And as his followers calls us to bear witness to these stories and others so that people are not alone and so that love wins. Because what and who we bear witness to is a savior who does indeed bring a kingdom vision of a world that is restored to peace and hope and love and justice a new creation. And with his healing power, he says, rise up, rise up, my beloved daughters. Rise up, my beloved children. 
old and young, rich and poor, leaders and outcasts, the sick and the well, the faithful and the stumbling. And we know deep in our hearts that this is the most important message the world needs that we need to be devoting all of our energy to. Because ultimately, Jesus rises up for all of us with a healing power that overcomes all pains and griefs and struggles of this world into that promised kingdom where pain and death and mourning are no more. On that third day, Jesus rises from the dead, and in so doing, he overcomes the powers of this world, of oppression, of violence, of fear, and of death. He rises up to new and eternal life with God and invites all of us to come with him, to come with him in that heavenly home, not made of hands, but eternal, saying, Rise up, dear ones. Rise up. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.